Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Okay, <clears throat> so continuing in this um, series on uh, discourses from the Pali Canon, which is the, the body of teachings that um, holds the, the Theravadan, the teachings of the Buddha um, that have come down to us. Uh, and again, I'll I'll be talking about a sutta from, or discourse from the middle-length collection, the Majima Nikaya. This is Majima Nikaya number 21. There are 152 in this particular collection. Um, And these, the discourses from this collection are um, very much... um, mm, story-oriented. Uh, they give a little bit of the historical um, vignettes and anecdotes that the Buddha then shares the teachings uh, in these various settings. <clears throat> so it's, it's different than, say, um, just a list of lots, there's lots and lots of lists and all, or... Um, there's there's more of a kind of uh, mm, engaged um, uh, context for the teachings. And this one, number 21, uh, is known as the simile of the saw, S-A-W. <clears throat> the actual name of the sutta is the Kakakupana, sorry, Kakakupana Kupama Sutta. Um, but simile of the saw is good enough. So this is, um, it's a sutta that um, uh, takes place uh, with, uh, centered about this um, this monk uh, whose name is Molia Paguna. And uh, the story, his story is that he had gotten um, a very strong connection with some of the nuns that were living uh, in the same same area, and the Buddha had very you know strict rules about having healthy boundaries between monks and nuns. Uh, great respect and appreciation, but um, the way it's set up as a monastic is that um, you are letting go of worldly attachments uh, as you become uh, a monk or a nun. And uh, although there can be a a real genuine uh, appreciation and connection as Dharma brothers and sisters, um, 
know your healthy boundaries. This monk became um, very connected and as the, the saying, as the words here, he was associating over much with the bhikkhunis. Um, and he would stay with, stay hanging out with them a lot, hanging out with them uh, after everybody else left. You're not supposed to be there after, uh, after the sun goes down. And uh, he just was very uh, attached to these relationships. And it started to raise some eyebrows, <clears throat> particularly among the, the other monastics. And they started to, uh, to talk. As you can imagine, there's not that much else to talk about. You know, <laughs> see something going on. What is going on there? <clears throat> and they talked. And they said, you know, this isn't so cool. You're supposed to uh, keep a, a healthy distance and uh, you're hanging out a lot. He didn't want to hear about it. <clears throat> and in fact, he became very um, activated, triggered, uh, and uh, angry. And when they would criticize the nuns, for doing that, you know, this isn't so cool. He became really angry. And when they spoke to the nuns about him, the nuns became angry too, because they were having a um, that strong connection was growing. Uh, so when word got to the Buddha about this, you know, they came and they said, hey, look, this is going on. What should we do here? And not only is it going on, but when we say anything to him, he gets really, they didn't use the word defensive, but that's kind of what was going on. He'd get very angry, and when we'd say anything about the nuns, he'd really get angry. And when they, we said anything to the nuns, they also um, would get reactive particularly when we criticized him for, for what he's doing and saying, hey, let's, let's cool it with this. So the Buddha says, um, why don't you bring him to me? Let's, let's talk. And uh, so he comes to the, he, they bring him to the Buddha. And the Buddha says, uh, Paguna, is it true that you're associating over much, over much with the bhikkhunis? that you're associating so much with the bhikkhunis that when, if any bhikkhu speaks, criticizes what's happening uh, and, and mentions about concern for the bhikkhunis in your presence, that you become angry and, rebu- and rebuke that person. And if any bhikkhu speaks or criticizes about you, your behavior with the bhikkhunis, they become angry and rebuke them. Are you associating so much with the bhikkhunis, as it seems? Yes, Venerable Sir. <clears throat> the Buddha always, uh, his style is first to check out. 
listen, what's, what's true? What's going on here? What's your take on this? Fair enough. And then he says, uh, uh, Paguna, are you not a clansman who's gone forth out of faith from the home life into the homelessness? Yes, venerable sir. It's not proper for you to associate this much with the bakunis. And therefore, if anyone criticizes them in your presence, now here's where I said before the break, this is going to stretch things a little bit for you. But if anyone should criticize them in your presence, you should abandon any desires and any thoughts based on the household life. And herein, you should train yourself thus. My mind will be unaffected and shall utter no evil words, will not talk back. And I shall abide compassionate for that person's welfare with a mind of loving kindness without inner hate. This is how you should train, Paguna. And if anyone gives those bhikkhunis a blow with his hand or with a stick or with a knife in your presence, you should abandon any desires and any thoughts on the household life and you should train thus my mind will be unaffected. And if anyone speaks dispraise in your presence, you should abandon any desires, etc., etc. My mind will be unaffected, and I shall utter no evil words. I shall abide compassionate for their welfare with a mind of loving kindness, without inner hate. This is how you should train. Now you say, perhaps, hold on a moment. What can that possibly mean? Anybody uh, who wants to venture a guess at how to make sense of that? Might be hard to make sense of it, huh? I think of it as the criticize the behavior, not the person. Meaning mm-hmm. that the uh, the 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 person that they're talking about who has uh, brought you know criticism or blows or whatever else is to another person just like you could be very confused but they're just like you and as such you can you cannot you don't have to agree with what they're saying but you have you 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 have to see them as another person and they are another person and they're not something to be hated or something to be um 
despised or to be reacted to as the person, but the behavior. That would be what I might. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else want to try? Yeah. yeah. You can leave it on. It seems like the Buddha what was suggesting that this monk um, sort of train out of having a chivalrous reaction to, um, not that he would have wanted anything to happen to the bhikkhunis, but just if you imagine something happening, get yourself in, into a state of equanimity just like you would have with anything else. That's what you're here to do. So apply the same principles of neutrality to everything because mm-hmm. he was displaying particular attachment to the, mm. this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. He's not saying, don't do anything. Which, it might sound like that's the message. Oh, just, it's cool, you know, let them hit the person, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. He's saying, uh, don't let the mind be filled with hate. And the Buddha was very uh, clear on taking care of oneself, taking care and protecting those who need protection. But as just as you're saying, uh, not to be coming out of a place of um, of household life affection, but to stay with a mind unaffected by hate and that does not preclude taking very uh, skillful action in the face of what's happening. He'll go, we go on. This is just the beginning. So um, let's wait. Then he says... Um, and if uh, if anyone should give you a blow, uh, so it's both if somebody attacks them, then he says, and if somebody should attack you, same way. Not just about keeping keeping your centeredness when somebody else is hurt. If somebody is attacking you. Train yourself. My mind will be unaffected. I shall abide with compassion for their welfare, with a mind of loving kindness, without inner hate. Again, not to say you don't take care of yourself. Just if you can train yourself to not respond with hatred, uh, this is what the teaching is about. And then he, um, he gives a, an, oh, and then as the, the note in there says that at f- when, uh, when Pagana heard this, he wasn't too thrilled with the instruction. And he had some resistance. Um, and then the Buddha went on to say, you know, um, when I uh, have given instructions to some monastics, um, I don't have to argue them into 
uh, into agreeing that generally when somebody's here in the order and I suggest that this is, uh, this is the way to go, they agree. But um, you're putting up a little resistance here. So I just want to invite you to just reflect on what I'm saying. Then he, um, he talks about what I'm trying to teach is to abandon what is unwholesome and devote yourself to wholesome states, for that's how you will come to grow, increase, and be fulfilled in this Dhamma and discipline. <clears throat> and this is a little teaching on un- unwholesome and wholesome. Suppose there were a big solitary grove near a village or town, and it was choked with weeds, and someone would appear desiring it's good welfare and protection. They would cut down and throw away the, the clean up the weeds and uh, take out the, uh, the unhealthy parts of the tree that are robbing it of sap so that it can grow strong and come to growth, increase, and fulfillment. And so too, as monks and nuns, I want you to Abandon what is unwholesome and cultivate what is wholesome. That's why I'm teaching this. And then he has a, um, he shares a story uh, about anger. And this is, uh, well, so I'll read you the story. <clears throat> he says, in uh, a, a long time ago, Long, long ago and far away, um, in the same Savati that we're in, there was a housewife wife named uh, Vedahika. And a good report about Mistress Vedahika had spread thus, this woman is kind and gentle and peaceful. Now, this woman had a maid named Kali, who was clever nimble and neat in her work. And the maid Kali thought, now uh, Vedahika has, uh, sorry, oh, the maid thought, a good report about my lady has spread thus that she's kind, gentle, and peaceful. How is it now, while she shows, does not show any anger, is, it, is there really anger Is she completely free of anger or is there any anger in her? Or is it just that because my work, I do my work so well that she's pleased and she never gets angry? Because that was her rep. Oh, she's so kind with her her employees or her maids and like that. So this, uh, this maid decided to test the, her, Lady, she said, suppose I test my lady. So the maid, Kali, got up late. And then the mistress, Vedahika, said, Hey, Kali, what is it, madam? What's the matter that you get up so late? Oh, nothing is the matter, madam. Nothing the matter, you wicked girl, yet you get up so late? And she was angry and displeased. And she scowled. 
Then the maid Kali thought, "Mm, the fact is that while my lady does not show anger, it's actually present in her, not absent. And it's just because my work is so neat that the lady doesn't show anger, though it's actually present in her, not absent. Suppose I test her a little more. You see where this is heading? (laughs) So the maid Kali got up later in the day. Then Vedika said, Hey, Kali, what is it, madam? What's the matter that you get up later in the day? Nothing is the matter, madam, nothing. Nothing is the matter, you wicked girl, yet you get up later in the day. And she was angry and displeased and spoke words of displeasure. Then Kali thought, "Mm, the fact is that while my lady does not show anger, she's actually, she's very, she has a lot of anger in her It's not absent. I'm going to test her a little more. There's usually three to these things, you know. The third one is the punchline. Literally. (laughs) Not not quite, but... uh, So the maid, Kali, got up still later. This is... He's telling this to to the monks and to uh, 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 Paguna. So the maid, Kali got up still later in the day, and then Mistress Vedic has said, Hey, Kali, what is it, madam? What's the matter that you get up still later in the day? Nothing is the matter, madam. Nothing is the matter, you wicked girl. You, you get up still later in the day, and she was angry and displeased, and she took a rolling pin and gave her a blow on the head and cut her head. Mm-mm. Didn't kill her, but she just cut her head. Then the maid, Kali, with blood running from her, from her cut head, denounced her mistress to the neighbors. See, ladies, the kind ladies work. This kind ladies work. See, ladies, the gentle ladies work. See, ladies, this peaceful ladies work. How can she become angry and displeased with her only maid for getting up late? How could she take a rolling pin, give her a blow in the head, and cut her head? Then later on, the bad report spread. Mm, Mistress Vedahika is rough, violent, and merciless. Mm. Now, if you had hired somebody as your employee... uh, you probably wouldn't be so thrilled that they were testing you, testing your kindness and compassion. Um, so I wonder how long she had a job. But uh, uh, And this is not the most skillful way to go about things, but this is the story that, he, that, he, uh, that the Buddha was telling. And he says... Um, If you can uh, honor and respect and revere the Dhamma, um, this is how you should train as far as anger or, or not anger. And then he gives five examples of kinds of speech that we can encounter. Maybe I'll, just to simplify, I'll just read the list from here. This is a really excellent book called Pressing Out Pure Honey, which Shardarogel put together a companion for all of these discourses. And there are 
five different ways, five different kinds of speech that we uh, can encounter. The speech can either be timely or unwise. That's one. It can be true or untrue. It can be gentle or harsh. It can be connected with good or with harm. And it can be spoken with a mind of metta or inner uh, ill will and hatred. And the Buddha says, any of those pairs that you encounter, I want you to still not react with anger and with hatred. And then he gives the example of uh, a man coming with a hoe and a basket saying, um, I shall make this great earth to be without earth. And he would dig here and there, throw the soil out here and there, uh, and say, be without earth, be without earth. Could this man make the earth be without earth? No, venerable sir. The earth is deep and immense. It cannot possibly be made to be without earth. So too, the Buddha says, in these five different pairs of speech, you should train thus, the mind will remain unaffected. And it's like saying, no matter how much you're trying to, um, to unearth everything, the mind will still be unaffected. You, you, if your mind is filled with metta, it doesn't matter what people try to do to you, you'll still be unaffected. And then he gives another example. Suppose a man came with uh, different colors, crimson, turmeric, indigo, carmine, and said, I shall draw pictures and make pictures appear on empty space. And he takes the colors and tries to draw them on empty space. Could any pictures appear? No, sir. He says, just the way. It doesn't matter what people try to paint you with. If your mind is filled with metta, it's not going to land. You're not going to be tainted. And then he gives another example. Suppose somebody came with a blazing grass torch and said, I'll, I shall heat up and burn away the river Ganges with this blazing grass torch. I'm going to evaporate the river Ganges with this torch. Could they do it? No, sir. In the same way, if your mind is filled with metta, they won't be able to penetrate that. They won't be able to, um, to affect you. And then the final one, if there's a cat skin bag that was rubbed, well rubbed, thoroughly rubbed, soft, a soft silky bag, rid of any rustling and rid of crackling, and a person came with a stick and said, there's this, this bag that's been rubbed and rid of crackling, but I'm going to make it rustle and crackle. Could they? No, sir. He said, just so. If your mind is smooth with metta, things won't 
you won't get rustled and ruffled. So no matter whether, whether somebody speaks timely or untimely, addresses you uh, with what's true or untrue, or their speech is gentle or harsh, or connected with good or harm, or speak, spoken with a mind of loving kindness or inner hate, you should train our minds will remain unaffected. And then he goes one further, and this is where the sutta gets its name, the simile of the saw. Bhikkhus, even if bandits were to come and to sever you savagely, limb by limb, with a two-handed saw, one who gave rise to a mind of hate towards them would not be carrying out my teaching. Here you should train thus. Our minds will remain unaffected. We shall utter no evil words. We shall abide compassionate for their welfare with a mind of loving kindness, without inner hate. We shall abide pervading them with a mind imbued with loving kindness. And starting with them, we shall abide pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility, without ill will. That is how you should train. And if you keep this advice on the simile of the saw constantly in mind, do you see any course of speech, trivial or gross, that could that you could not endure. Therefore, you should keep this advice on the simile of the saw constantly in mind. That will lead to your welfare and happiness for a long time. This is what he said. The bhikkhus were satisfied and delighted in the Blessed One's words. So let's talk about this for a little while. The first time I heard the sutta, I said, hold on a moment, this is a bit much. Mm. But um, it's pointing to the possibilities, the extreme possibilities of... understanding, forgiveness, and action not based on hatred. As I said, uh, this is not about being passive. And in fact, I am in, uh, in, in great alignment with fierce compassion, with saying what's so, being, having the courage to, uh, to take strong stands. There's so much ignorance in the world. There's so much greed and hatred in the world. And if we're just passive in that, 
in, in response to that, uh, then things won't change. As, uh, who was it? I think it's, um, it was Gandhi who said, uh, if you are, um, or might have been Desmond Tutu, I'm not sure which, if you are um, passive in the face of oppression, you are siding with the oppressor. <clears throat> but if you respond with anger and hatred in your heart, you are just adding to the confusion and the ignorance, as the famous line by uh, the Buddha in the Dhammapada, hatred does not cease by hatred. Hatred ceases by love. This is an ancient and eternal law. Or this, this beautiful quote from Martin Luther King, who says, the ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So, very much like the Buddha's saying, hatred does not cease by hatred. And Martin Luther King is is such an inspiring example of just this simile of the saw. If you've seen images, film of uh, the Freedom Riders and Martin Luther King just going towards the violence and saying, we will not be afraid, we will bear your blows uh, and meet them with love until we wear you down. He wasn't just theorizing, he was living these words. I will, we will wear you down with love. Which is the same that Gandhi did in India. Wear you down with love. In the, in the, uh, when, when uh, India was partitioned and East and West Pakistan were, were created in West Pakistan, they sent, I think, 50,000 Gurkha, Gurkha troops. And in, in the East, in the Bengal region, uh, Gandhi went on a fast. And he was much more successful than what happened on the other side. 
So the power of love, I mean, this takes a lot of courage and it takes a huge mind of deep wisdom and understanding not to respond with hatred, but as I think we were saying the other day, I forget whether it was here or maybe it was another talk, when um, Jesus is on the cross and he's saying, forgive them, they know not what they do. They know what they were doing on one hand, but they didn't know what they were doing on the other. And there he was, somehow able to keep his heart open and not respond with hate. Mm. Now, being real, there's going to be reaction. We're going to get triggered unless you have reached a very high level of, of attainment. It's human to respond with not only contraction or fear, but anger. But when one comes to one's senses and sees everything arising out of causes and conditions and people doing the craziest things because they know not what they do, because of the confusion that's in their own minds or the the conditioning that they've gone through, it's possible. That's where it's possible for the human heart to forgive. If it's possible for the human heart to forgive even the most horrendous things, and it is, that's how the truth and reconciliation that, um, uh, that Desmond Tutu oversaw uh, was able to happen and heal, if it's possible for the human heart to forgive, in retrospect, just see the possibility that the human heart can understand the ignorance behind somebody's action. This is where the real freedom is. You're not doing it so you can be some wonderful, saintly person. You're doing it for your own benefit that I will not let my own heart fall into bitterness. So it's just some uh, a, a bigger picture to keep in mind as a possibility. And of course, holding your reactions and your anger and your rage with great kindness and compassion. That's where the loving kindness starts. Just, oh yeah, I am really triggered here. I am really losing it. Or I am really outraged because the pain is so much seeing somebody else hurt or hurting somebody, uh, having hurt come to us. And holding that with loving kindness. And taking action out of loving kindness. There's a a story uh, that happened uh, many years ago. One of my teachers and uh, Joseph Goldstein's main teacher, uh, Manindraji, really beautiful, wise, uh, 
scholar and, and good-hearted person uh, heard uh, this story that Sharon Salzberg, one of the main teachers in this tradition, uh, she was in, uh, she was telling Manindraji about this very scary ride that she had on a rickshaw in Calcutta um, where they were going through the streets and somebody came out of nowhere and jumped on the rickshaw to steal her possessions. Fortunately, she was the, the rickshaw driver was able to get out of the way, this is the, the human rickshaws, uh, and, uh, and she, she escaped. And as Manindraji is hearing the story, he then says at the end, he said, Oh dear, when that happened, you should have taken your umbrella and with all the loving kindness in your heart, beat that man. <laughs> with all the loving kindness in your heart. That's, that's where it comes together. With all the loving kindness in your heart, take care of what has to be done, but not to let your own heart be poisoned with hatred. That's how we inspire each other. So, this is the simile of the saw, and maybe we can just open it to uh, some comments. Anything that might have might come up from the from the talk. I was kind of impressed with the uh, talk the Buddha was giving to all of the bhikkhus, mm. not just the guy who was talking to the bhikkhunas too much, but also to the others. Having making judgments, getting attached to certain ideas, and Know, enforcing their views on someone else as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, that's true. Good point. So there's the bhikkhu saying, "Hey, this guy is doing this," and you know, and there they are, coming out of anger and frustration and uh, superiority. Yeah, he was saying it to everybody. Yeah, All right. Good point. Yeah, David, hold on just a moment. It's important, I think, not to swallow the anger, not to repress it. It's, we're talking about not having the anger in the first place, are we not? If possible. If, if, that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. If possible, but when the anger is there, just as uh, I completely agree, that's what I'm saying. Just It's partly, it's being human. The anger will arise not to uh, stuff it, not to blame yourself for it. It's just arising in the field of awareness and to not take it personally, but to honor it and, and, and hold it. The thing is, though, where he's saying, what he's saying is once the thoughts and the feelings are expressed in words and actions, the karmic impact is much greater. So there's the line. So you want to digest that anger, you want to honor it, you want to hold it with great compassion and, uh, and, and kindness, and see that line between expressing it, which is just throwing more gasoline on. Yeah. 
Okay, then uh, I'd like to um, invite you to uh, just close your eyes for a moment. And uh, let's play around with this in our, in our own life. And think of a situation where you might tend to get triggered. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's in some social situations. Maybe it's a particular sensitive spot in your in your composition of who you are that when you are encountering a certain response activates you maybe it's reading the newspapers maybe it's whatever just see when you tend to get activated. No judgment here, just honestly exploring that part of being human. And then hold that activation with real compassion And now, if you could imagine, like the Buddha's words, another way than meeting that negativity with more negativity, if you can imagine not condoning the action, as was said, but understanding the confusion of what somebody else might be having that would trigger you, or understanding that sensitive spot that you get triggered in, and seeing if it's possible to stay connected with a kind heart. That will probably mean not taking personally what's coming towards you. Seeing it all as just causes and conditions and meeting that with a compassionate Meta-filled heart. Even if you you haven't done that in the past, just imagine the possibility. It would take great centeredness and inner strength.
and clarity and wisdom. And understanding doesn't mean you don't respond. You can respond very strongly, but without the hate or the anger. Just imagine how much more effective your actions and words might be. And just hold this perhaps as a, as a possibility, as an aspiration, as you become more and more conscious and awakened, embodying the Dharma. So we have a few minutes left of any comments, anything that arose from from that. Here, Shakti, right behind you. Oh, get to you. Hi. Hi. Um, I like the I like this topic. It's very close to home. And um, speaking boundary to another. Um, the situation in which maybe the other is not hearing the boundary and how to honor that, honor them as a, as a being and yet hold... I think that's, that's a learning edge that mm-hmm. um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on. So... The other person is not clear on the boundary, or is is. In my in my uh, life, I have a few people mm-hmm. who constantly uh, transgress a spoken boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you what do you do? Recede and speak and and don't give access. Re- recede and recede. And give less access. And give less access. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. It's uh, like the Dalai Lama's uh, suggestions. If you've, if you've been around a lot of negativity and you've come back with loving kindness and the negativity still comes, that's the time to find the nearest exit. <clears throat> that you don't, you don't want to keep on subjecting yourself if you uh, you know if there if there's no end to it so you take care of yourself in the best way you can if you can do it without bitterness and you're doing it from a place of protection instead of hatred that might be just a, a little tweak in there there are accompanying grief and guilt, feeling of guilt. There is. You have grief and guilt in my in my receiving. In uh-huh. 
those arise. Aha. Uh-huh. So is it is it possible to recede knowing that you're coming from wisdom rather than abandonment or uh, rejection. You know, it's like you can send, you can have metta just from a safe distance. You can wish someone well from a safe distance. And if you've communicated everything you can, and that those people are not able to hear, then you need to take care of yourself first. I wonder if there's a way to uh, increase the metta practice or like being safe Mm -hmm. and receded. Mm -hmm. If there's a way to like maybe work with the grief by sending more metta or having, if others have, have, have had a similar situation Mm -hmm. and what they've done. Mm -hmm. So sending more metta to, to the other people or to yourself? No, metta for, well, the situation and for the well-being of the others. Mm -hmm. And have you done that? Some. I'd say it's all about practice. Yeah. It, It, a lot is the intention behind what you're doing. So if you take care of yourself out of a healthy intention of bringing safety to yourself and have the intention to wish the others well from afar, but keeping that as your metta practice. It's like metta for the difficult. You know, this is the the classical metta practice. Start with yourself, benefactor, dear friend, neutral person, difficult person. So there you've got it just right in your face. And you might need to have a wall before you can separate that metta. And you might need to put them on the other side of the moon and uh, say, no, not not on this planet for a little while, little by little, but still having the intention of wishing them well for your own sake as well as for them. Yeah, you, you came up with your own practice. Thank you. Thanks. We'll just uh, get Jaime and then then we'll end. Um, I've I've been angered um, for a while about Pacific Steel casting. I don't know if people know about it, but they put out noxious gases, Mm. petroleum gases. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, and and when I breathe it, it stays in my nose for hours and it gets into my lungs, mm. and especially when I'm riding my bike. And, and so I'm... I, <laughs> um, and I, try, I was trying to somehow um, find a loving way to, to address it. Or, and, and by the way, this has been going on for years, and a lot of people are really uh, yeah. pretty unhappy about it. So I... How do you deal with that? <laughs> I, I have a number of different similar <laughs> recipients of my frustration. That, and this is, uh, there, there's no end to <laughs> the ignorance and, the, and the, 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 the harm that's caused by greed and you know, blindness. 
And my basic attitude is forgive them. They know not what they do. They might, might know what they're doing on one level, but when I think about it, even you know, for me, as you probably know, climate change is a is a is a very um, is an issue dear to my heart. Those who are creating that, they haven't connected the dots. Oh, if they want their grandchildren to live in a better world. I mean, it's not like they're doing it to everybody else out there. But they just haven't connected the dots. Oh, this means my children and my grandchildren. But that's, I, I, I don't know about that. It's just a matter of not connecting dots and seeing, and if you relate to karma as well, I mean, then, then, then it's then it's a whole other level of they not they know not what they do. Yeah, and then you do everything you can to um, to be a voice of uh, of sanity and and courage. But can you do it without the hate? That's the I think that's the question facing us all over these next few years. So. Okay, so let's, uh, it's just about time to go. Very quick, loving kindness. Just appreciate yourself for wanting to be as conscious and loving a person and sending some metta towards yourself. May I see through my anger and connect with the caring and love underneath it. And may I know the highest happiness and peace. And sharing that with all beings, may all see through their fears and confusions and angers, learn to share their love well. And may we share any good that comes from our practicing here together and sharing the Dharma with all beings everywhere. Thank you. Have a great week. See you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.